if there is an actual threat, it's a really great response that helps us all survive in a crisis. It can help us do work really fast and get things done. But over the long term, we need creative ideas. We need to relax. We need to let the shoulders down. We need to stretch things out. We need the peripheral vision to come back. And we need creative connections swirling around to come up with new ideas. And we need, we don't need one right answer. Maybe we need more options. Welcome to the Mint Green Ukulele Podcast. More joy and less stress, baby. Oh, hell yeah. Well, here's how it works. You ask and we answer. What is your question around reducing stress, increasing productivity, or leading effectively without sacrificing joy in your life? You can submit your question at mintgreen.show. Without further ado, let's and get it. And the blue corner. He is the director of community engagement at Sandler and author of LinkedIn, The Sandler Way. He is also a game show host, a public speaker, a podcaster, and a writer at Playful Humans, Mike Montagu. And in the red corner, she's a certified mindset specialist, a productivity and leadership coach. She facilitates wellness through comedy and play for your team. And she's your host for the show, Genevieve Pippen. Yay, welcome to the Men Green Ukulele podcast, Mike. Uh, I like the ukulele and I like mint green. It sounds like a ice cream flavor I would enjoy. Yeah, well, that's definitely to put on the bucket list. Yes, I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's some uh, gelato place that do that. Uh, Mike, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today, and we want to get to know you a little bit better before we dive into our questions today. Um, and uh, here's what we're gonna do: I'm gonna ask you to choose four numbers: two from one to fifteen, and two from sixteen to fifty. Go. Uh, four, seven, 27, and 42. All right. Let's go for rapid fire questions. All right. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, 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 pew. Four. Mike, what brought you here? Well, I am here to keep spreading the joy and to help people remember that they, they need to be more playful humans, that... Uh, that's my passion project. And my keyword is playful because I feel like we're all stressing each other the hell out and stressing ourselves the hell out. And we all just need to have more fun and be more playful. And lots of good things happen when we do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, number seven is what is the most, what is most meaningful about your work right now? Ooh, I think it is really just creating a space for people where I get to produce fun. And so I'm really selling fun. And when I see people's inhibitions drop, when they really get into it, and especially when it's like cranky or somebody like stressed or a work group, I had a bunch of lawyers that I was hosting a game show for this week. And when they let go, when they started, you know, yelling and, and cheering for each other and, and talking trash during the show and stuff, like I knew I had them. And that moment for me is like really special that people don't get enough of that these days. We go from either like tuning out and scrolling on social media or watching TV to like super stressed, trying to be highly productive and squeezing every second out of our day. And there's none of, there's no just relaxation, fun, chill vibes. 
Yeah. And what I hear what you're saying also is this together, right? Because like with other at work, it's so easy to be stressed and we need to do this and we need to do that. But then when we actually get to lower our guards and be together, like having that relaxation to like yeah. together and just being being comfortable. And I love how you say, I know I had them because it's really getting people into a specific state of mind. That's uh, very magical. I heard there's a Portuguese word called desbundar, which is the feeling when your inhibitions drop during play. And we don't have a word for that in English, uh, but I love that word. So that's another one that I, a magic word I try and remember is desbundar. Desbundar. Oh, we could we could make it like what we could just use the English is good at that, right? You kind of you kind of take a word like there's a lot of French words that you just say with an English accent oh, yeah. they like rendezvous just... or whatever you know so uh, <laughs> so now you could just say yeah that's this bundar you know exactly yeah exactly just that's English now um all right um 27 let's look at what we have for 27 what's a quote that resonated with you lately Ooh, I have two so I'm going to cheat and double down. Number one is the Steve Martin quote, which is be so good. They can't ignore you. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people try to fit in. They try to follow the rules, check boxes, like live safe and, and, and kind of not get noticed. And that's a really good way to get commoditized, to get outsourced, to be, you know, uh, laid off when economic times get tough. But when you're so good at what you love and you're so unique that they can't replace you with anybody else, that's where you bring your magic to the world. And that brings me to my second favorite quote, which is by Howard Thurman. He was a former Supreme Court justice. But when he, he said, when you're thinking about your purpose, your, your reason for being and, and reason for being here, don't ask what the world needs and try to become something that people want. Ask what makes you come alive and then go do that because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. We need more people who are passionate, excited, happy about what they're doing. And I think that's role, both right in your world and my world Absolutely. is if we can get more people doing what they love and putting passion and energy out into the world, good things will happen. Absolutely. I love that. I love that so much. And I'd like to yes and it because you remind me of a quote that has been resonating with me for the last years, which is uh, from Coach Jenny, who is a coach. Hey, Coach Jenny. Hi. Hi Jenny. And she, I, I interviewed her years ago, and she said, people you're looking up to are the ones who are doing it their way. And I find that that's a quote that's been like, that speaks to what you're saying. Like, we need to have more people who are doing what they love and they're really in their zone of genius and doing it their way because trying to do like everybody else it's actually oftentimes the first reflex of, of, oh, you know, I need to do it right. And how are other people doing it? But actually people we're looking up to are the people who said like, what are the rules? Oh, okay. Here's how I'm going to do it. Right. And I find that uh, that's very inspiring. So uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah. That. And we have robots and computers now. So I yes. think what people miss yeah. is that we can program robots and computers to do things when we know what the task is, when we can outline that to-do list and, True and identify what we need. We need human beings to do things that robots can't, like connect with another human being, show love and compassion, uh, be creative, solve problems, and um, do things that are outside the box, right? Break, know when to break the rules. That's a big one. 
Yeah. Right. Is uh, sure. Rules are there for a reason, but sometimes the, the cool thing that we can do as humans is know when to break them, when that rule is not going to be helpful for us or, or humanity and, and go around it. Absolutely. Dare to break the rules. That's a hashtag right there. Um, and 42, because I feel like we could, like I'm seeing this, this is going to be a great one. All right. Uh, 42, if your pet could talk, do you have a pet? Uh, we have two pets, two great. cats, Diego and Willow. Oh, well, well, if Diego and Willow could talk, what would they say about you? Ooh, um, I have no idea what Willow is thinking. I'll just be honest right now. She's a very playful uh, cat and she'll just randomly like interrupt me, come yell at my door and then run to where all her toys are and just be like, hey, it's time to play. Or I'll just be walking through the house and find her like playing with something you know just uh, a string or a toy or, or whatever and she doesn't seem to have as much need for us as she does Diego she she loves Diego a lot more oh. uh but Diego is uh is all about it he will definitely come see me several times a day and and hang out and stuff so I feel like um Willow would describe me as like a, a playmate and I, I feel like Diego um I don't know. I think he would, uh, I'd probably see us uh, as like a, a mom and dad as, as a tar- mm-hmm. caretaker and, um, and somebody, but you know, we feel like we own the pets, but they really, they own us, especially cats. Like who knows? I feel like this guy just needs to give me more food and loving. I, th- I think is what he would say. Yeah. 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 Great cook. Maybe that's what he would say. That's uh, a tough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a playful one. And there's no right or wrong here. And we have some questions to tackle today that are definitely touching uh, both our, our, you know, our area of, of expertise about bringing play. But then oftentimes I've experienced burnout uh, a few times. And I know that you work with with people that have uh, as well. And, and so um, a frequent question that is asked is... How close to burnout am I? Right. Mm. So that's question number one for us today. Yeah. And I have a, a quiz on my website. So it's playfulhumans.com slash quiz. There's a burnout quiz where you can see like, are you, are you rare? Are you, are you medium? Well, medium, <laughs> or are you like burnt? Are you toasted? And there's a few questions that I like to ask to, to figure that out. The first one is really just sheer hours of work. I think we forget that, um, the work day, especially post pandemic has expanded beyond the normal eight hour work day. So if you're not commuting, chances are you don't have a really good separation between your work and your playtime. And if you, even if you are commuting, chances are you're checking your email and you're doing work outside of answers. So you probably start working within 30 minutes of waking up and checking your email. And you might not stop thinking about work until right before you go to bed and you check that email on the calendar one more time the next day. Uh, So if we count up total hours, um, research studies have shown that if you work more than 60 hours a week for more than six weeks in a row, you burn out so much that you produce less than if you had just worked 40 hours those that whole time. And so I think people don't realize in our hustle culture and productivity and everything is that there's different types of work. So if you're driving across the country, 
it's kind of miles per hour, right? The the more time you put in, the further you will get. And so time and effort equals the work there. But when we're doing creative work, let's say, we kind of like what you and I do, there's a limit to that. It, it's a work of diminishing returns. So Absolutely. putting in a little bit of effort will get you 80% of the way there, right? If you have a blank page and you spend some time and you get an outline and you get stuff going, you're making progress. But if you do that for 60 hours, you start running out of ideas. You start getting emotionally and, and intellectually exhausted and your work slows down. And so you can't produce at the same level. So especially when creating something fun and interesting like a podcast, would you rather have 40 hours of boring middle of the road podcasts or would you rather have four minutes of something that's really life-changing and powerful? Well, okay, we can see that work doesn't equal, the results don't equal time and effort. Now, here's the crazy thing. There's a third type of work, which is the backwards law. And this is sort of like emotional work that the more you try to do it, the less likely you are to accomplish the goal. So think about when you have to fall asleep or go to the bathroom uh, I don't know about you, but I get stage fright in, in big groups. But um, if when you're trying to when you're trying to go to sleep, the more you try to go to sleep, like if you have a big speech the next day or you got a big work thing to turn in and, and you're nervous, the less likely you are to actually fall asleep. The more you try to make somebody love you, the less likely you are to do so. Uh, and that happens in like sales and other communication and human human emotional jobs where the more you try to make a sale, the less likely you are to do that because people feel like you you have self-interest and you're not helping them. You're just trying to get their money and stuff. So it, what we mix in our world today is a lot of stress if you're trying to apply the rules from one thing to a different type of work. So I think a good judge on whether you're getting burnt out or not is do you feel like the amount of effort you're putting in is not generating the types and kinds of return that you're hoping? And if you're doing that, you have to get creative and you have to change. So last thing, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on this, Genevieve, but um, if like 97% of people in research studies, when they're faced with the challenge and they're getting burnt out, they do one of two things. They try and work harder and break break through that, or they try and work less. But working less doesn't really solve the problem either because you're still doing something that doesn't work. So just resting or meditating, it's great sometimes to recharge your batteries. But if you go back to beating your head against the wall, you burn out even faster. You didn't change your tactic. So only 3% of people do something creative. They do something different than more of what they were currently doing or less of what they were currently doing. We got to try to learn how to do something else. Yeah. And uh, I think that something else is play because when we actually go to active play, instead of just sitting around and watching Netflix or scrolling on social media, if we go play with friends, we play with kids, we go out to a park, we do a puzzle, we do something that actually takes energy, but it replenishes our energy and it replenishes our ideas then we can get back to doing the work that we love with better effort, uh, ideas, opportunity, maybe more people to help us. And we can really make progress and get out of that hole. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you say that. And I think that's one of the challenge oftentimes of, of 
people that are really focused on work is that they don't spend any time doing what they love or what recharges them. And sometimes they don't know. What do you do for fun? Mm. Take a bath. Like, you know, there, there's, there, <laughs> there's no, there's not really a, a hobby. I remember myself. I remember very well. I used to work uh, at the consulate in China way many years ago. And I remember walking on the bond on Shanghai in Shanghai and somebody asking me, so what do you do for fun? And I was like, I genuinely said, what, what do you mean? What do you mean for fun? Like I run sometimes, but I work and I sleep and I, you know, I eat, but that's, I, I didn't do anything. And, and, and part of it is because, yeah, I didn't have the time, but I thought that this was useless. I thought that it was not a good use of my time because I wasn't that mindset of the more I work, the more I produce, which is not the case at all. And I think that starting by identifying that is a huge step and allowing ourselves, giving ourselves that permission to do that um, and to just to explore and to do something different, as you said, because um, if you want to achieve different results, you need to do things differently, right? Is the cause and effect. Um, so I, I love that. And I think that um, when it comes to identify how, how burnout you are, uh, there's there's different types of burnout and there are different things that you can look at um and as you said you know sometimes it's just situational where you just need to rest and but when resting doesn't cut it then it's like well then look at something else another big thing is a clash of values you know sometimes mm-hmm. um the way that we are working or the expectations that are on us on the type of work we're doing um is not meeting our needs and or is it's just a clash of uh, of our values and yeah it's it's good success we may be successful into the external world or we may uh, be successful financially and like have the safety that we that we need but we're not meeting our needs in terms of creativity or maybe it's connection uh, or maybe it's about you know we have more social values and and this is not being met in what we're doing and we're not creating time for that and in the short term, there's no problem, but with the long term, it does create stress. A clash, of, a clash of values does create stress. And then that's when, you know, we see these long term, oh, I rest and I meditate and nothing works. Yeah, because where you're focusing your attention is, 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 is in um, conflict with, uh, you know, your deeper needs. And I think that this is interesting to yeah. look at that as well. I love that. And I want to add a couple of things onto that, mm-hmm. which is sometimes we think that, those soft skill things are are hard to measure that there's not science behind it. And like you said, there's not an ROI on play or other things, but we have really smart people out there and there yeah. are ways to measure and I identify these things. Now, sometimes I don't like measuring it. Like I don't think the, I had to get rid of my Fitbit and stuff because counting my steps is, was not helping me to actually move more. It was just stressing me out and reminding me of those days when I was working too much of the computer and stuff. And so I wasn't feeling as much reward as I was uh, or, or motivation as I was like guilt uh, and stuff from not getting my steps. So I, I say all that to say this, we know what work is interesting and fulfilling to most human beings. It's work that you can control and make an impact on that. If you do it, it makes a difference. You're not beating your head against a wall. So if you feel like you're not making progress, that's going to burn you out. You need to, to get creative, do a different type of work. We also know that it needs to be a little challenging for us. If it's too easy, 
then it's boring. If it's too hard, we give up. So we need this magical sweet spot that a lot of flow research has done uh, research into that it's about 10 to 20 percent above or below our our skill range. Right. And, and that some of that that work varies. We definitely want to do work that we enjoy and, and things that we're good at, because uh, this is shocking research, Genevieve. People do more of what they enjoy. And no. they like, and they do less of what they hate, and what they find frustrating. Who would have known? Uh, groundbreaking uh, yeah. stuff here on the <laughs> podcast this week. Now, the other thing I, I wanted to add to that is um, life in general, it has a couple of backwards laws to it that we don't often, I don't often hear other people talk about and we don't think about is that there's a balance between order and chaos and it's the movement between the two that makes life interesting. If you have too much order, you're trying to control things that are uncontrollable. We couldn't plan for the pandemic. So it's going to cause us a lot of stress. We can't be in hundred percent order. And even if we were, it would be really boring. It would be like groundhog day. We just get up, repeat the same thing over and over again. And it'd be too boring. Mm -hmm. chaos on the other hand can be interesting and challenging but if we live in too much chaos then we can't cope we don't have any habits we don't have skills to land back on every day is a new challenge it's exhausting because there's not enough order in there so what i encourage people to do is think about moving back and forth between order and chaos as much as possible now for you and your audience i happen to be wearing an american football uh shirt today American football is the biggest uh, television show in America because if you think about what it is, it's order. They all line up, they get together, they huddle, they say, this is the play. It's all paused. Everything is safe. And then they say three, two, one hike though. They hike the ball and it's chaos. 11 dudes from each team slam into each other. They run in different directions. The ball goes flying and something happens. And then they stop, they blow the whistle. They go back to order and everything's safe again. And so it's that movement between order and chaos that makes it incredibly interesting. And so we got to think about our life that way. You can't live in chaos 24 seven, you can't live in order 24 seven. So what we need to do is learn how to enjoy the movement between the two. We need to get some order, take some planning, and then give it up, throw it all up in the air, have some play time, have some fun, see what life brings you and adjust an improv to that. That's why I love your improv stuff so much. Yes. Well, that's exactly, exactly uh, where, what I would, how would, I would guess and that where it's that planning is important. It's an informed guess, but mm -hmm. it, it's important because it kind of aligns us and it helps us to focus. However, you know, the you'll need to get us so far and we also need to yes. And we also need to be able to, uh, play with the circumstances, collaborating conversations, all of this is yes anding, right? And uh, it's an improv. And um, I love that. And whether it's football or you need to play, where you need to play or you're in an improv scene or in a conversation, in order to make the best out of it, you need to be present, right? You, you cannot be into the what will happen next. Well, we don't know what will happen next. We need to witness what's happening now, right? In order to know what will be next. And I think that that state can be uh, extremely helpful as well. I love that example. I love that example. Look, uh, we could jam on this all day, but uh, we have another question 
And that's okay. from another perspective. And the perspective is, is the following. So a manager that asks, how can I help my team produce results while preventing burnout? Because that's a, that's a really, that's a real concern. Mm. Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, but again, if you think about this logically, there are some answers here mm -hmm. uh, that we found in a lot of research. And I think in just your anecdotal experience, if you think back about your life, um, there's probably sometimes where there's too much pressure to perform or even to have fun. That if you're like, oh, I want my team to have more fun. And it's <laughs> like uh, New Year's Eve is, is a good example or like your wedding day. Uh, you spend so much time and money planning these events that like the pressure to have fun is too much. You can't let go. The stress and play don't go well together and, and creativity oh, and, and stress don't work either. So I think as a manager, your job is to create an atmosphere and environment that allows your employees to do their best work. And what that is could be different to each of your employees, right? Somebody might need some structure because their life is chaos. And so they need to come to an office to get some structure and order back into their life and allow them to think clearly and, and do some work. If they try and work from home, they got three kids and, you know, uh, dogs and interruptions and uh, maybe not the best um, internet connection or something. It's just really hard to do great work. Other people um, don't work well in an office. It's too much structure for them. They, they need to think creatively. They need to walk outside to get an idea. They need to uh, move their body and stuff. So sitting in a cubicle feels like a prison cell to them and they need to break out and they need more chaos to do their best work. Uh, could be a lot of different things. So when I look at play profiles and stuff, you said, you mentioned there's a lot of different types of play and, and personalities. Some people move, some people like puzzles and challenges. Some people like producing events for other people. They kind of like to be the the social uh, creator of fun. I feel like you and I might be in that as like <laughs> creating cool experiences for yeah. other people. Uh, it could be that um, you like telling jokes and, and being silly and the freedom to not be buttoned up is what lets you let your guard down and, and be more creative. So as a manager, I think if you try and fit everybody into one box, you're not going to get the best from your team overall. Yeah. So really asking people is a great way to do that, but also setting up uh, policies, cultures, and an environment that says um, we want your best work, depending on what it is. If you're answering customer service phone calls, we need to answer those phone calls when they're coming in. That That's a job that requires you to be there waiting for that phone to ring. But if you're, uh, I don't know, in marketing and writing a social media post, we might need that to go up at a certain time, but we also might need it to be interesting and creative and compelling. And so if you took three weeks to come up with that perfect thing that goes viral, that might be more interesting than creating a post every single day that doesn't go anywhere, right? So I think really identifying these different types of work and the different personalities and then matching them up. When you put the right people in the right spots, magic happens. And I've seen it's not subtle. When we look at the research, 
uh, happy salespeople sell like 30% more than people that don't. Absolutely. Customer service reps, their referrals go up to other clients, their reviews go up. And so I think you can really look pretty easily at are people going down? Is their work get, work getting worse over time or is it getting better over time? Or have they flatlined somewhere? And if it's flat or down, we probably need to mix something up. We need to yeah. give them some new opportunities. There's something that is kind of under uh, intertwined in what you're saying is also giving trust and showing trust. Mm -hmm. Meaning that that, you know, marketing professional, um, maybe that sitting at the desk is not the best place to actually be get your most creative ideas, right? Getting outside, doing something different so that you can get more creative ideas. And oftentimes there's kind of a lack of trust or like we cannot do this because this is not the rule. But when we show that trust, first of all, oftentimes it, it's mutual, right? The more we show mm -hmm. trust, the more we get trust. Uh, but that's that's also helps with that psychological safety. Right, a feeling that oh, okay, I'm valued. Like I, I will meet my target, and I can, I'm trusted to find the best way to do that. Um, and another thing that I think is so important, and I've seen this is so simple, and I think it's kind of too simple that many managers are like, oh, yeah, I do that. Yeah, but really, I've seen that work over and over again, and it's listening, listening to <laughs> people from a place of curiosity, not from a place of fixing. Probably like, okay, so what's the problem? Like, we'll make it work, you know? Yeah. Listening from a place of curiosity and creating those communication channels, which often are in one-on-ones. Um, and whether it is to have, uh, just open up the one-on-one -on -one with, uh, you know, how is your personal life going? Or how is your family going? If you're comfortable with that, right? Of course, sometimes, depending on the situation, there's no one size fits one. Some people are very uncomfortable with that. Okay, start small. That's okay. It's not, it's not a, okay, I'm going to ask that once and then we're going to build trust on Wednesday and on Friday. And it's not, it's not <laughs> like that, right? We're human, okay? But the more you create those communication channels, and even though there's nothing happening, right? There's nothing negative happening or the person is happy, but when there's something that's, or maybe a difficult challenge is happening, or maybe there's a mental health issue, or maybe even I had a conversation with a client today that, he created that trust so that so that his reports are not coming to him with uh, challenges that they think that they're observing on other, in other people. So, right, so that how can I help that other person? But that trust that, and that listening needs to be there first because otherwise, if you're only thinking talking about work or talking about fixing things, then people don't feel like it's safe to actually just talk about what they need or what they observe. Yeah. Um, and that skill of listening with curiosity and again, making it sustainable over time is pays so pays off when it comes to employee happiness um, and just understanding your people so that you can better serve them. So that's one that I find has worked over and over again. And that speaks exactly to what you're saying as well. Yeah, and I'll add one more to that, yeah. which is start with yourself. You need to lead by setting an example. So use all of your vacation days. I mean, if you're not taking time off, you need to leave work on time. Uh, sometimes people don't like to leave before the boss. They feel like they're going to look bad and they're doing it. If you're setting the expectation of office hours or when people are on, that you're taking vacation, that you're taking care of yourself, 
that you're doing fun things and hobbies and you're using the first five or the last five minutes of a meeting to get to know people, to settle in, to to talk about your personal life and, and share what you're passionate about. Other people will feel safe to do the same. If you're getting straight down to business, if you're working 60 hours a week, if you're not taking vacations, they're not going to do it either. And all of you are going to burn out really fast. Uh, there is an a positive ROI to these things that I think I, it's mind boggling to me how our culture does not know this yet. But when you take a vacation, you actually produce more <laughs> than if you don't take a vacation. Absolutely. If If you have fun and enjoy and connect with people, even giving, if you give money to charity, you know, people that give money to charity make more money than people that don't. Uh, it's crazy. There's a return on investment in giving your money away uh, and things. So if you can find a charity or a passion that you're uh, pursuing and you're giving your energy towards, it gives more back to you than you put out. And I think play is the the same way. You would think, oh, if I take time to play, it's frivolous. I'm not working. I'm not being productive. But all of the studies show People that play, they lose weight, they smile more, which means they're ranked more attractive. They have better connections with other people. They have better success at their jobs. They make more money. Uh, I mean, they have less absentee and sick days. And so all of the research, there's basically no negative side effects. And there's a ton of positive side effects to yeah. taking care of yourself, having fun and living your best life. Yeah. And, and I love that she say that because there's that myth that rest play is the opposite of productivity. No, no, no. It's no. all part of productivity. Because again, as you said, there's a there's a point of diminishing return where no matter how much I work or how late I'm in the, in the office, I'm not going to make more work anyway, right? So if I would I were to rest, I were to play, like playing, fostering connection, collaboration through play is a huge way of, of creating more productive conversations, more productive collaboration. Like the number one cause of failure is lack of collaboration and lack of communication in mm. business, right? Because people can't work together. And, and so that's a, that's a huge cause of it. And then when, and also of stress at work. So when we actually use play, uh, use, you know, whether, what are, whatever that looks like to you, because also sometimes again, just reflection time or exercise or whatever that is, to take a step back, we come back better. It's just, it, as you say, like it's, it's, it's that, it's that kind of, oh, this, this, this or that, but no, it's all together and it's all part of productivity. It's all part of success. Um, you hit two things that I, I want to highlight real quick and then yeah. we'll, I'll let you ask the next question. But um, yes, play is not the opposite of work. I call it the fun uncle of, of work. Yeah. I have a Lego behind me here that's over 10,000 pieces. I put a lot of work into that, but it was fun work. It was pleasurable work. The opposite of work is sloth. It's laying around, being bored, being lazy yeah. is the opposite of work. Play is an energetic outlet of doing work. You think about when you're a kid and you're building a fort or uh, a treehouse or something, or or playing a sport with your friends, you were putting a lot of effort into that. It, it's not the opposite of work. And the second thing you said there with the, the stress levels, I wanted to highlight too, it's one of the interesting things that I found in my research is it's a human biological response to stress 
is to get rigid. Your muscles clench up, you get back problems, but even your vision focuses in and you lose your peripheral vision and creative ideas because your body is telling your brain, we need one right answer that will get us the heck out of this stressful situation. We don't need to take time to brainstorm. We don't need the time to think creatively or mess around or play. We are so stressed that we need to just eliminate this threat in front of us. That's really bad over the long term for human beings. So if there is an actual threat, it's a really great response that helps us all survive in a crisis. It can help us do work really fast and get things done. But over the long term, we need creative ideas. We need to relax. We need to let the shoulders down. We need to stretch things out. We need the peripheral vision to come back. And we need creative connections swirling around to come up with new ideas. And we need we don't need one right answer. Maybe we need more options uh, than that. And I think you can't do that uh, physically under stress. And I think more people need to, to know that. Yeah. Yeah. We all, we, we all experience that. We all experience that the, the, you know, our survival brain just getting into survival mode. And it's like danger, danger. There's a tiger in the room. How can I be creative when there's a tiger in the room? My brain is busy keeping me alive. Okay. Whether that tiger mm -hmm. is a deadline or it's, or it's just imagining that I'm going to get fired because I made a mistake, which is the opposite of, of feeling psychologically yeah. safe. Right. Um, and then we're like, why, why aren't you more creative? Why don't you take more decisions? Yeah. Because I'm trying to survive here. And this is so funny because it's not something you can think like you can logically think out of, because this is not logical. It's, it's not the logical part of your brain. Yeah. You're just in survival mode. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really like full circle here where we come back to play and doing things that we love, then we can actually change our focus of where our brains feels more safe and then do best work and talking about play, because we're all here about play this, play that. Let's do that. I say we let's do play a game. Let's play. Well, so, and because you're such an amazing game host, I'm going to pass the ball to you and, uh, yeah. And then uh, host the first one for us. All right, I'm going to start with some awkward questions. This is the game I play on my podcast, the Playful Humans podcast, Great. Uh, with my guests. So the first awkward question to you is, yeah. would you rather for a day be a member of the opposite sex or an eagle? How would you like to spend a day? Oh, an eagle. As a man or as an eagle? An eagle. Yeah. Why? Um, I You said that and I felt so peaceful of just like chilling just floating on the air in the emptiness wow i would love that and then like the thrill of catching a mouse or something <laughs> well that's where you lost me uh i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna pick opposite sex i think it would be really fun to know what it feels like to to be a woman for a day but um, I don't want to eat rats. Uh, I feel like the food is much better <laughs> Some member of the opposite But you're sex. an eagle. That's great. That's right. And maybe, maybe it tastes like a delicious, you know, filet mignon or, or something. Uh, we don't know until we try. <laughs> All right. I'll, um, if you found out your neighbor was an evil witch, uh, which would you be more likely to do? Have her perform spells for you? Or uh, would you just move away and get the heck out of there? Um, realistically, I would move away. But <laughs> I would love to find a way to have 
that person it depends on my relationship with her if it was like you know a neighbor that I like and you know we're like oh but if it's a neighbor I never talked to I would probably move away because I was like oh my god what did she put it does say groceries? evil witch so oh, okay. I, I feel like the answer is get out of there um I, well, I don't want to do harm to anybody yeah, but yeah, here's okay. a follow-up question okay. uh if you could have her let's say like spell book for yourself or her flying broom which one would you choose flying broom see it's the eagle You're thing without the rat I'm a flyer. I, I just want to fly. I just want to fly. Yes. What about you? Um, I feel like the book of spells has a lot more options. I might be able to make something fly or, uh, or, oh. you know, again, make a delicious pizza or something, uh, with a spell book. Um, but it's evil. <laughs> like to experience but more it's creative options. Book. All right. Yeah. We're opposite on this one. Uh, one last quick one. Uh, if you had, uh, to change your appearance for a whole year, would you rather look like your grandfather or uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy? Do you know what the Pillsbury Doughboy oh, is? Yeah. Uh, a cartoon character. Yeah. 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 That guy. Oh, my grandfather. A hundred percent. Do you imagine having people like putting poking your, your finger, belly? Yeah. Poking your <laughs> belly all the time. And then I, do you do that? <laughs> no, I don't do it anymore. Yeah. No, no my grandfather. <laughs> oh yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. I uh, just feeling Same. like comfortable, you know, wearing beige pants. Uh, all the time oh yeah uh, socks and sandals yeah yeah, uh, yeah just living the life i would yeah what about you uh, i'll go same i think there's something here's my philosophy on life i think being young is cool i think being old is great because like you i don't know if i can curse on this podcast but you can't you run out of, of the the shits to give right yeah. um that you're like you're like you can say something like there's just you're you're free. You're living. You don't care what you look like anymore. And like, you're not going to start getting cancer. I'd say like smoke them. If you got them, if you're like 90, do your thing. Right. The problem is the middle getting old sucks. Getting old is like, Oh, I used to be able to do that yesterday. And now I can't like this stinks. <laughs> so yeah, true. I, I think it's going to be fun to be old. I, I think I'm going to be a great, uh, great old man. Yeah. <laughs> I will I aim to be a great old man. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Yeah. I mean, you seem pretty great now. So I, how could this go wrong, Mike? Right? Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, right. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> I'm I'll, awesome at being humble, Genevieve. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> let's dive into existential questions, shall we? So here's what okay. we're going to do. Um, what I put in the chat is only suggestions. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you an existential questions, a que one question, and um, I'm gonna give you two words and you will have 30 seconds, and I have a timer here, to answer that question. And you have to include the words that I give you, okay? okay. Now I wanna say that this is an improv game, so you can say whatever you want. It doesn't need to be scientific or philosophical. Uh, it's really just for fun, okay? Okay. You ready? So my question to you is, Mike, what's love got to do with it? And I want to have river and digital. Boom. Ooh, what's love got to do with it? Um, this is uh, Whitney Hughes, no, not uh, Tina, Tina Turner song. Uh, I love that. Uh, she also did Rolling on a River. I'm a big fan of Tina Turner. And I think I have both of those in my digital collection of music. 
And I feel like what's love got to do with it is a great, uh, a great question because for me, I feel like sometimes we mix things up to together again, like we we're kind of talking about the different types of work. I feel like, especially in your life, you can love a more than one person, right? Anybody with kids knows that, or you love both of your parents. Uh, I think a lot of times people in relationships uh, don't understand that you can love everybody. There's plenty more to go give, go around. It's not a finite resource. Share and the love. Time, yes. You can love everybody. It all has to do with it. Awesome, great. I give you a little bit more there, but I'm good. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was wrapping it up uh, there, but uh, I'm glad that I got the words in early. Then, then the pressure was off. I could, yes. I could relax and answer yes. the question. Uh, okay, do I get to? Uh, yes. Do I get you, to? Yeah, you can. You can use what's in the chat as inspiration or not. You can do whatever you want. Uh, okay, my question for you is: yes. um, What do you think Jesus does for Santa Claus on his birthday? Because Santa Claus goes around the world giving away presents for Jesus on his birthday. What do you think Jesus does in return on St. Nick's birthday? Oh, okay. Uh, and turn. please okay. use the words slipper and shovel. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's easy. Actually, that's well documented that uh, Jesus is a master at making tea. Okay. So, and the way that he uh, does his tea is very specific. Uh, so, uh, he does take, uh, I mean, he, he grows his own tea, uh, and his trick is that he takes a shovel and actually digs quite far into the ground, plant the seed, wait for it to uh, grow throughout the year. And then he serves it to Santa Claus on his birthday with his favorite slippers and just let him relax. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Great answer. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, well. So back to you. Um, are humans good or bad, do you think? Do you think humans are good or are they bad? Uh, I want to hear wood and sugar. Are humans good or bad? I think the answer is yes. Uh, one of the reasons I didn't like the, uh, the star Wars movie is they keep doing the light side versus the dark side. And I feel like they had a chance at the end. It would have been great if, um, they <laughs> had just said, you know what, neither the light side nor the dark side, when we're just going to set down, uh, the lightsabers and we're going to, um, you know, uh, figure this thing out. Cause we both have light and, and dark in, inside of us. And, uh, if you know that one, both characters came from the other side. I forgot my second word. Sugar. Yeah. Oh, sugar. Yeah. And then, um, you know, um, the, the main character there, the, uh, the bad guy could have uh, gone to Ray and just said, let's put down our lightsabers and give me some sugar. Yeah. And then Beth Kylo Ren. comes in. I got there eventually Four after the buzzer. Kylo Ren and Ray put down their lightsabers and they just say, give me some sugar. We both have light and dark side. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a great, I think that that's a, should write a book. Should write a book about that with that conclusion. Um, all <laughs> right, Mike, thank you so much for uh, coming to to play and share all of your wisdom today on the Men Green Ukulele podcast. Where can we find more of your awesomeness? 
I made it really easy. You can play find Playful Humans at PlayfulHumans.com. Uh, it's also the podcast, so wherever you're listening or, or watching this one, uh, look for Playful Humans and subscribe. I interview cool people like Genevieve and others about what how you play for a living. Uh, so it might be a voiceover actor or uh, somebody that juggles or a magician or somebody that's a creative painter. Uh, I interviewed somebody that makes puzzles, all kinds of cool things there. And I'm trying to just inspire other adults to rediscover the power of play at yeah. playfulhumans.com. Yeah. And it's very entertaining as well. So check it out. Check the podcast out. And also check all the links in the description of the podcast because all the magic will be there. Thank you so much, Mike, for being with us today. It was awesome to have you on. We did it. Thank you for listening to the Mint Green Ukulele podcast. Now, what is your question around reducing stress, increasing productivity, or leading effectively without sacrificing joy in your life? Well, you can submit your question anonymously for me and my guests to tackle them, and you can do so at mintgreen.show. This just in. Oh. Opposite day starts in three, two, oh, one. Oh, okay, um... All right, so don't subscribe. Uh, don't subscribe, don't follow, don't like, uh, don't eat your veggies, don't call your mom. Those things are just bad for you. And don't you even think about following or connecting on LinkedIn. Uh, it's not like I post comedy videos that people are raving about. Uh, no thanks. All right, so no thank you and no bye.